If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with MyBookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Cameron Show brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. TV. Great to be with you. Hope you're well on this beautiful afternoon. I'm Jeff. That's Tom. Director Matthew from afar. On Twitter, it's at Jay Cameron Show. You can always watch as well on War Chant TV. In fact, if you are, good to have you on board. Welcome on in, everybody. Let's get to. Let's get to with the unenviable task of talking about this ass-sorry basketball team that uh, did not acquit themselves, although the word quit is operative in there, uh, last night, the way that men do. No, not at all. That is, uh, that is the byproduct of a team that uh, had no interest in being there at the Little John last night. The last words of yesterday's show, Tom Lang, as I said to everybody, is it will be very interesting to see if they compete. I said on the show yesterday that I had no doubt Clemson would win this basketball game and they would probably win it um, with, uh, with not much sweat given that there was a lot on the line. Clemson had played poorly as of late. There were conversations in the college basketball world that Clemson might be on life support, that they were fading fast. A three-game slide will do that when you lose to Boston College you lose to Miami, you lose by 20 points to North Carolina, people began to raise an eyebrow about what Clemson was. 
We just saw Clemson here rather recently, a game that was given away by Florida State in the waning seconds. So you knew that Florida State could play with Clemson. They just did. Should have outright won the basketball game the other night. On the road they go after yet another loss, and you thought, let's see if they show up. Because, you know, it's kind of important to try hard when you're on scholarship to play basketball and you have an ounce of competitive nature in you. It's pretty important to show up, be tough, and give everything you got. Now, just before the game tipped, they did get the unfortunate news that Matthew Cleveland would not be able to play. He's had some back spasms lately, and that's been frustrating, no doubt. Uh, it wouldn't have mattered. They would have lost anyhow. He's not Michael Jordan. He's just Matthew Cleveland, who at this point is a pretty good player, not a great player. But it doesn't mean you got to get beat by 40, and that's exactly what Florida State did last night is lose by 40. 94-54, that's a borderline top 25 team that humiliates you by 40. And it's a reminder of a couple of things. Uh, A, the roster is devoid of any real talent. This roster is not any good. There's a guy here or there worth saving. But the vast majority of these dudes need to get replaced. Some of them, it would be huge addition by subtraction to move on. That 40-point ass-kicking is the worst defeat suffered by FSU in 21 years under Leonard Hamilton. They have never been beaten by that many points. So now where are we beyond the obvious uh, eight-win campaign? This is now, by the way, worse than the 0405 team that finished 12-19, and 4-12 and in the ACC. And that group lost. You know, frankly, I went back and looked this morning, eight games by, I think it was eight games. Oh, my notes here. I put my notes there. Yeah, eight of their games by three points or less. That team did. I remember they were competitive. They fought like hell. They just weren't good. And we kept waiting and waiting and, you know, hoping. But, no, it wasn't any good. Um, I mean, this is the kind of stuff that, you know, you saw under Steve Robinson. I remember we lost a game one time under Steve Robinson in, uh, you know, 98, we lost by 42 point, 48 points, I think, to North Carolina. We lost by 42 points one time to Duke in 2001. You don't tend to forget games like that where a team beats you by nearly half a hundred. That, that'll hurt your feelings. Um, so you get into whether it's salvageable and who should stay and who should go. I mean, I, I, first of all, first guy that I would tell to have a good day, I don't really need him to suit up again at any point this year is Caleb Mills. Get the hell up out of here. Useless, useless, useless. There's a reason Houston said, by all means, please, head on down the road, and then promptly made it to the Final Four without his ass. Yeah, I don't – go, go. Not tough, not a great teammate, nothing. Go, useless. Uh, from there, I would probably tell Worley, have a good one. I would – I don't know. I, I, there are plenty of guys. I do like Corn. I, I do – House has got to go. Can't play at this level. No reason that he's still on the team. Uh, we didn't get to see Ganey. That's unfortunate. You, you would love his maturity and his defensive presence, his toughness from what I'm told, and certainly the evidence he, he displayed when he was in the Ivy League. Uh, I, I don't, I, they don't have guards that can stay in front of anybody. They don't have guards that can create their own offense off the bounce and the rhythm of the game. They, don't ha- they just don't have, don't have 
is an operative word. Uh, but, you know, the head coach has to take responsibility that he put together this roster. This staff is not going to done a good job with this team this year, even as shorthanded as they are. Uh, there's really nothing good to say about this season. But what concerns me most, and, and you guys know where I'm going with this, and I've talked about this across the board for many years in any sport, when there's evidence that quitting and tuning out of a coaching staff has occurred, uh, you begin to wonder about whether or not you can ever get it back. That's tough to overcome. You would have to flush the roster because you've got quitters. You've got quitters on your hands here. you got guys that don't try real hard, guys that aren't great teammates. This isn't a likable group. They don't win. They're about to, to set a record for losing around here, and they're getting beat by average teams uh, by, in this case, 40 points. That, that there's no way that a team that you had beat in the waning seconds a week ago beat you by 40 a week later if you're not, you know, checked out. So that's what's happened here, and it's devastating. It's devastating because Leonard Hamilton deserves better. He deserves better, but he also deserves this criticism. I would hate to see him go out like this. Hate it. Hate it. For the man that he is, for the accomplishments that he's achieved, for everything he's given and done to Florida State, for Florida State, it would suck if this is how it ends. But you do reach a point, Tom, at some point of critical mass. They've got eight wins, man. I don't know you come back from this. Will they win another game? Probably not. This era of college basketball and college sports is one where you can flush the roster quicker than it others. is. It is. It's the one hope I have. It, yes. But you're right. Last year when they had a couple of results, the North Carolina roadie and then a road game at Boston College up in that, you know, barn. We came out of that and I said, this group is soft. This team yes, is soft. And yes. I felt uncomfortable saying that because, because it's an indictment. It is. And it's kind of a blip on the radar of the last five to six years. Like you would see last season as, wow, that this is different than the others. Sure, because they were really good just two years ago. And they were and they were tough. But <laughs> they were they were tough consistently throughout. So, you know, it felt like going from zero to sixty a little bit to call them soft, but you, you gotta call it as it is. You gotta speak to what you're watching. You can't ignore it. And for as weird as it felt last year to call a group soft or that they quit, say that they quit, now it's so normalized that it's scary. I assume they're going to quit. And, man, that's a far cry from saying, what are you doing? You're insulting the guys who built Ham 2.0, this program, by putting on that uniform and putting forth that effort. That was last year. What are you doing? And now it's, oh, yeah, that's what you do. That's a real that you're talking about a threshold. You're talking about a point of no return. And I hope we're not there, but it's not like it's getting better. And this is ending on an up note of these guys are valiantly fighting, but they're not good enough. This is ending with the worst kind of a thud. Had a lot of stubbornness involved here. You know, Ham admitted, he admitted himself that he was slow to pivot to the modern game, meaning uh NIL transfer portal and roster overhaul. So once you admit to that, okay, fine, that's obvious, but he admitted to it, that's great. But then when you do not have the personnel to try to do what you attempt to do on a regular basis defensively and refuse to switch out of that, when the personnel is incapable of going about the process of defending the way you'd like, you'd like to see some malleability there. I don't see it at all, so you have stubborn upon it, stubborn, and now you have mounting losses and ugly ones at that and evidence of kids quitting. 
And I think, you know, my thought a couple weeks ago, Tom, just you and I talking, we knew this season was going to end poorly. So last night's not a revelation. Nobody, nobody watched last night's game and said, oh, no, we suck. No, you had declared the level of ineptitude uh, some weeks ago. It was evident this was not going to be a good season. It was evident they were going to amass a lot of losses. It was evident that this was substandard and frustrating. So, you know, I don't want to be the guy that beats a dead horse because they lose another game. It's the way they lost. It's how they lost. It's the way it's beginning to look. The other part of the problem for me is that when you're a bad team, you need evidence that there is room for growth, that there are players. Like, sometimes you just field a real young team. For example, uh, I would say they have the presence of five freshmen in the rotation. So in a normal year, you'd say, all right, well, you have that many youngsters in your lineup. Can I fall back on the idea that that group is going to be good and soon? No. No, I can't. There are no Al Thorntons or Solomon Alibis out there. There are no Kumajis or Ojos or Devin Vassells or Cobb Gellies out there. We're not, you know, those guys that you'd look at and say, well, there's ability there, there's length there, there's toughness there, they're mentally tough, they're trying, they're just not good enough, they're not seasoned enough, they haven't been through the meat grinder of the ACC, they'll learn, they'll figure it out, they'll get stronger in the gym, they'll build their bodies, and it'll match their skill, which is raw right now, and, you know, they got to, no, when I look at the roster, I go, what, what do you got to look forward to? Corin, I like Corin. He's, he's a toughie. He's, he's, a, he's a keeper. Uh, he, he'll get stronger. Um, I like him a lot. Diane Corn's a good player. Uh, I don't know about a lot of guys. I mean, you know, it's frustrating. Uh, most I'm looking at the roster right now. I'm just going through the names. Well, just look making... at the last three road losses. They're they're one and three in their last four on the road. The win is over Louisville, which uh, yeah, know. the worst team in the league, along with Georgia Tech. Yeah, full marks for beating Louisville. Mm-hmm. But uh, 28 was the margin of defeat at Miami, or sorry, at NC State. You also have a 40 point loss, and then you've got a 23 point loss. Yeah, they're not competing. 23, 28, and 40 in your last three road losses are the margins of defeat. You're averaging 30 points a loss. That's Well, that's what I mean. That's, I, that's why. There's why, losing, and then there's this. That's what I mean. I, I, that's, I was trying to express my frustration not about the loss. I thought they were going to lose. Again, I said yesterday as we were partying, what will this look like tonight? What will this look like? Will they compete? Will, they, will we see an effort that you can be proud of and defeat? The season's a goner. We already know that. That's, everybody realizes that. So, you know, it's not that they lost. It's that they don't compete. They have tuned out the staff. They're not attempting in good faith to take the floor and give their best effort. We're not seeing it. So... These are the kinds of things, you know, I didn't think. I'll put it this way. There was a part of me last night. It kind of bounced around in my, in my head. I didn't think Ham was in any trouble until last night. La- last night I thought, oh, we, we, we might have a real problem here. We might, we might be heading down a different road. Right. It's the at what point dot, dot, dot discussion. I, I, you know, 
He, um, I thought Ham sounded like it too, by the way. That's happening more and more. I mean, I think he realizes the level of urgency we're talking about here. Like, uh, you know, the, the whole, we will not look like this the next time we come here. I mean, he's basically telling you, I'm gutting this roster. But I'm wondering, will he get the chance? Well, that's where it is somewhat understandable that you might have an effort that's a clunker like this because he's been making more and more comments like that. As classy as he can say it, he's saying it, that this isn't the group that's going to fix the problem. So you could see where the toxicity would take you to a place that blowouts happen more frequently in the last month. Not saying it's good because, you know, that film sticks with you, the player, well, and it's just also, as much. Yeah, and it's also under, if you want to look at the player or at the coach, it's not good. If you, you want know. to go to a different situation and this is what you have on film. It's devastating. Man. That's, that's devastating to your chances to go anywhere that you could do something and, and further your own career. Because there is a parting of ways coming at the end of the season. It's just how fundamental is the parting of ways. Yeah. Is it coach and players or is it athletic department and coach plus players? I'll tell you what, man, the Q word. That is just deadly. It, it, it is common. It, it is just, common. It's so awful. And that's where, you know, when you watch it from afar anywhere else, what do we say? Well, they've quit on him. They're yep. going to have to go a different direction. Correct. It's, there are minimum of five games in the last calendar year to 13 months that you could point to and say, yep, capital Q, capital U, capital I, capital T, exclamation point. At minimum five. You could probably argue for more. I hate it. I, I, it just disgusts me. Um, it, it it really really bothers me to know in uh, that this is this is what we're witnessing from. Not not just listen. I I understand that, that our fan base cares more, much more about football than they do basketball. It's a luxury when basketball's good. It's not a necessity. Football is king. That's true everywhere. But you want all of your programs to be successful. You'd like to put your programs in the best position to succeed. It uplifts all of us when the program is obviously winning and is successful. It, it, there are a lot of reasons for that. Culture is one of those. All of those things matter, right? Michael Alford has been very aggressive. He's done a very good job. He's in good standing. He's well-liked. He's made good decisions over the course of a couple of important ones most recently. He's got a tough one here, man. He's got a very tough one here because uh, this is this is only two really bad years. It's not 10. It's two. But do you think it's going to get better is the fundamental question you have to ask. Do you think that the man in charge, whom no doubt they admire greatly, and appreciate greatly. I know that for a fact they all do in that administration, they should. as they should. But do you think he's capable at 74, 75 before next year of getting this turned around? Well, and you've got to take a look at, I get it's meager compared to football revenue, but you've got to take a look at the revenues generated by the sport. You're counting on this one to be more than self-sufficient. It should turn a little bit of a, a profit for you between the TV revenue and then the in-house stuff at the Civic Center because, again, these were hot tickets for quite a while, the pandemic was right smack dab in the middle of it, and that sucks. But these were hard tickets to get in town, even with good connections. If you didn't have them early yeah, for yeah. not just Duke, not just North Carolina, Louisville, Syracuse, Purdue, name your game, Florida, 
They were tough tickets to get. And if you're putting a graph together about projections for next year, just go to the financials of it about season ticket renewals, booster contributions, and I well, collective you're going money. straight to the bottom line. I, I certainly that's get where that. he's got to go. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is that Leonard has been here before, but never quite like this. I've mentioned it recently that there was a, a press release put out about a one-year extension for Coach Ham's contract. John Thrasher was on that press release, and in so many words, he said, "We're confident that he can get the job done." Yeah. This is it. We could see another one of those style press releases this offseason where this is it. One last ride. Let's see if you can get it together. Or if you've got a few more weeks of results like this, you go to Greensboro and you get bounced by 40. Or you're probably playing Louisville. So you lose by 12 to Louisville in Greensboro. I don't know, man. When I listen to him talk, I can hear the the, the bitter disappointment, frustration, uh, the the under the surface rage. The it, it's it's a t- imagine we've all been in limbo. It's a horrible feeling. I'd rather, I mean, good news, bad news. Let me know what I'm staring at. Let me know what I'm dealing with, so I can concoct a plan to deal with the situation. I can take action to get things turned around. When it became evident, and I don't know the moment in time, but when it became evident that Leonard Hamilton, in in, in Leonard's mind, I'm talking about as Leonard Hamilton now, when it became evident to him that this ain't it, that we're in real trouble, could have been 15 games ago, could have been before the season began, could have been the exhibition game, could have been game eight, where he walked off the court and went, ooh, we got a problem. He knew in the preseason interview with you. That well, the, I don't at least think he the, was, out, the, out the gate, it was going to be problematic. Yeah, but he didn't think this would be an eight-win team. There's no way. He, he, I believe he's an eternal optimist, and I think he believes that they're coaching, and they have proven it over time, that that team will get better and better as the year grows. I think he knew they weren't like, there were no danger of making the Final Four, but I don't think he thought they were going to be this, which is the worst club that we have fielded maybe ever. That's a stark contrast. Yeah, ever. That's, that's the hard part. It's yeah. like not just in your tenure, but now you're going toe-to-toe with the red zone. Like this is this is where you're going. Right. And you have heard, maybe you even told me this story, but we hear stories over the years, and Coach Ham's been around a long time. So he was already entrenched as Florida State's head coach when I was a freshman in undergrad. I mean, that's it's a long span of time. But you hear these stories behind the scenes over the years, and there's one that sticks out to me. I'll speak generally on it. But there was a player who left the program uh, years and years ago and could have used some assistance just in terms of facilitating a basketball career. And he didn't leave on the greatest terms. But as the story went, Coach Ham said, hey, man, in the end, they're, they're always one of ours. So let's, yeah, let's see what we back. can do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder if he would for a selection of this crop of this roster say he's one of ours. I don't know, man. I, I couldn't see it. <laughs> If a couple of these players well, called him in five or ten years and said, yeah, I could use uh, I could use some help, I wonder if he would take that call well, or it, not because this is a little different. Yeah, it is. The thing is that one of the reasons that you really like Leonard and the reason that he is so well-respected is the fact that he never likes to put anything on the players. He takes uh, the blame, as, he, as coaches should. Um, and also, he constructed this roster, so whatever they're not is on him. Now, you know, I, I get it. There, there are some frustrating guys on this team that are not all that likable but you know again 
that that ultimately falls at the feet of the head coach. I just wonder when that moment happened, when he realized this isn't it and we're in real trouble. I think you go from there to uh, where we are now is, is, is very different. Like it's the reason I, I bring this up is that, you know, how he's been fairly stoic in these press conferences. It's because once you've realized your situation and you're not at liberty to do anything about it in season, you're just sort of playing out the string. And while it's maddening each time you watch it, there's really nothing that can be done about it in the moment. And so it's tough because you're held hostage, Tom. It's one of those things where you're like, Correct. if you get told, listen, we can't salvage this reclamation project in your backyard that you've started here. This is You're going to need a new house. Like, you're piping. All of it's done. Like we, So then at that point, it's a matter of time. Don't you put that evil on me. I'm just saying, like, it's a matter of time before you have to replace the roof or you have to replace whatever it is, and you're just putting, you know, lipstick on a pig. You're like, well... I don't have $15,000 right now to put, spend on a roof. Let me let me do this for another month, and then we'll get our affairs in order. Whatever. You know, people get in these positions, no matter where you are. It's the worst feeling in the world because every day you still see the same blight. But it doesn't mean that today is any different than yesterday, that you can do anything about it. But it's the worst. But yeah, that's a, what John says in the chat here is how many times can we say the same thing? Well, John, for perspective with other sports, this is nothing. Oh, we had God. the same conversation about the Martin family for going on 20 years. And with the football program, the last five years, I mean, yeah. we could keep doing this. But if you'd like a finite answer, John, I'll give it to you. There are four games left in the regular season. Yeah, four more there times. <laughs> one more to be played, I think, because we have to go. Go play in the ACC tournament. Mm-hmm. So five. The number is five. Well, and also, it's not exactly the same thing. <laughs> I've gone from, this sucks, we'll see if you can get it turned around, the NIL will work, You can. we live in an era now where you can flush your roster and start anew and bring in transfer portal players, to, I'm not so sure he's going to get that opportunity. That's a different talking point entirely. Jeff Cameron, Show 93.3, Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the Jeff Cameron Show, sponsored by Legendary Home Loans, a mortgage experience designed around speed, simplicity, and customer service. Before you buy your next home, contact our friend Shannon Young with Legendary Home Loans. Visit FSUHomeLoans.com, FSUHomeLoans.com. Screaming. Jeff Cameron, Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chat TV. Good to be with you. Hope you are well. Wish we were talking about the gambling that shall take place this weekend for football, but alas, I don't gamble on the XFL. At least not yet. That will get started. At least not yet. Yeah, at least not yet on XFL gambling is a good place to go because you are a preseason betting Jesse oh, in the NFL. I make a lot of money doing it. And I've been able to uh, invite others that are like-minded and perhaps sporting to the game of preseason NFL gambling. <laughs> We've all shared at the ATM 
that is Coach Harbaugh and the caring deeply of winning said preseason games. Why does it seem like every move they make is a good one? That's something we've asked a lot after draft night. Talking about Baltimore. Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. They go get Todd Munkin. That's their new offensive coordinator. Which is devastating because I wanted the Bucks to go get Todd yep. Munkin. Same here. Instead, we got Seattle's quarterback coach, which maybe, I don't know. Who knows? Really wanted Todd Munkin. Yeah. But, alas, he moves on, and I'm glad he's not at Georgia because he did a good job there. It's Went time back for- to Bobo. I know. That's interesting. Yeah, good. Good for them. Maybe with the beginning to the end. Here we go. Let's just, I've had enough of you. It's a nice little run while it lasted. Two, the two championships is plenty. Move it along here. Nothing to see. What a crazy time. Tonight at 6 o'clock, a live version of Wake Up War Chant for you guys to tune into. And I wonder if this will come up. Here you go, fellas. You don't need me to give you fodder. You're both very, very capable talkers, if you will. But you saw the 12th man fun pushing the NIL envelope story. I don't often read to you, but I'm going to here for just a moment. Humor me and we'll talk about it. The story, that is. The wording of the press release uh, goes like this. We'll receive fair market value compensation to promote the organization's mission through marketing services such as social media post appearances at events and speaking engagements. That wasn't from the NIL collective at uh, Texas A&M, though. That's the difference in the story. Came from a 73-year-old booster club that in 2021-2022 raised $96.3 million through donations. Only donations. Tied to season ticket packages or the athletic department it supports. Texas A&M's 12th Man Foundation announcing yesterday that they have, in fact, entered the NIL business. That's different. The foundation which is affiliated with Texas A&M, but not officially part of the university or the athletic department, has created a marketing fund called the 12th Man Fund that pays athletes to promote the mission of the foundation, which is to raise money to give to Texas A&M's athletic department. So the 12th Man Fund can pay the starting quarterback at Texas A&M or receiver to promote the 12th Man Club. This is where we're headed. It's the first time in NIL history, a history that is one year old, that a school's booster group is attached to a unit set up to pay players. It's um, a similar model at Arkansas with the Razorback Foundation. It's branded differently. In the old days, as they say, the other schools would run to the NCAA. The more skittish compliance directors would send word through their athletic departments that said, don't do this. Don't even think about trying this, guys. This is going to get us in trouble. Schools and collectives now moving quickly to find out perhaps the advantages um, of being able to do this. And we know today. Both chambers of Florida State's legislature, excuse me, voted to repeal. That was yesterday, actually. They expect Governor Ron DeSantis to sign today. He did. He did. He's already done it. So Florida, Florida, the state of Florida, is no longer dealing with the restrictive laws that other states did not have to deal with in their efforts to compete in the NIL. This seemed to be a foregone conclusion. We wondered how soon, thankfully, it's happened. 
Yeah, the only question, I, I, as I understand it at this point, is whether or not the collective groups need to have a university liaison or not. I heard that there was going to be some language attached to the bill regarding that. And if that's the case, then do you have to deal with university compliance as a collective that exists separate the university? So the merging process is still going to yield in any legislation. We know this just from our own existence uh, as citizens, that there's always a, an unintended consequence or some kind of red tape issue. I mean, look at the radio industry with the FCC. There's right. a whole lot of filings that need to happen. So I think there are some more steps that these collectives need to take in order to be compliant now. And they might be subject to university compliance or some sort of university athletic department personnel to be a bridge between themselves and the university. We'll see how that all pans out, but I would anticipate that these collectives at different institutions in the state of Florida are, are going to start to make announcements in earnest that reflect the new legislation. I would think so. Per The Athletic, Andy Staples writes, the particulars aren't completely hammered out. It's possible the foundation, which has tax-exempt status, could create a for-profit subsidiary for its NIL activities to ensure it retains its tax-exempt status. Meanwhile, uh, the 12th Man Fund website provides vague guidance on how tax-deductible donations for NIL purposes might go. Somebody's going to get this wrong. The 12th Man Foundation will provide donors with a tax receipt. Donors should consult their tax advisors. It's not our fault. To determine the deductibility of that donation. <laughs> yeah, they're making it up. It's just a statement on their website, says the advisor. That's not deductible at all. A person with knowledge of the 12th Man Foundation plans, their plans, explain that the foundation believes that they are in compliance with Texas NIL law and with NCAA rules because the 12th Man Foundation is not officially part of Texas A&M's athletic department. Its executives aren't on the athletic department payroll. That isn't the case at some schools. The foundation is contracted to raise money for the athletic department, and Texas A&M's athletic department could end the relationship at any time. So we will see whether the proximity provides a tighter control on NIL deals. It's possible, but... Uh... Look, the NCAA, this is much like the drug testing policy rule. Yeah, you have to follow your own guidelines. Right, within your state. So that's where the NCAA can come in and lay down the hammer beyond the basics like an inducement to pay for play. Like they, they're going to rule on that. And by all accounts, they're, they're gearing up to make an example of some institutions to that end and, and make it a, a, not a test case, but um, a cautionary tale out of somebody for other institutions and say, look at Miami and look at what we've done to them now because they're not following the state of Florida. Right. At the end of the day, the state itself will not levy any penalty on a university in its system. It, like, this is only good for each state to drive more high-profile athletes to Texas or to Florida or to Georgia. Why would they ever come down hard on their own universities? First of all, university graduates are too connected within state politics. Correct. But then you're also driving away money and revenue from the state because if your football team is under investigation by the state, nobody's going to go watch them because the NCAA is going to restrict. So the legislation, or I'm sorry, the enforcement is going to come down from the NCAA level or what you're talking about, which is if you didn't dot I's and cross T's from a tax standpoint, the feds are going to come after you and That's say— That's different altogether, but yes, right. yes. Remember, Rising Spear did this straight out the gate. They said that there are two places that you can give money. 
to the chunk of cash so we can do the $1,000 handshake deal or do it to a tax-deductible portion of Rising Spear, and we'll make sure that those dollars are earmarked for, say, kids going to talk to your son at middle school football level or something along those lines or going to the Boys and Girls Club. But this sounds a little bit more murky, what they're doing with the 12th man. It's it is. It's a one-size-fits-all. It's fascinating, and folks will begin to monitor very, very closely. Florida's just now, by the way, Florida man in Texas, Florida's doing this in, in terms of Ron. They're catching up. They were behind. In their efforts to be out front, they accidentally— They triggered a domino effect to put them behind. Hamstrung them. So they're just trying to catch up with everybody else. Florida's been sucking hind teeth. And so this is where, we, this is where we've been. That sounded oddly German. <laughs> if you say it really fast. Somebody would just nod. Good point. It's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Brown Talk. Brown Hoffa, <laughs> sucking teeth. Like that's a sentence, not a phrase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chan TV. The Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness, two Tallahassee locations, Midtown on Thomasville Road, and Northside in the Village Common Shopping Center. Online at orangetheoryfitness.com. Jeff Cameron Show 93.3. Well done, by the way, uh, Noel Dad. That was an effort. I like it. It did almost look like <laughs> like the uh, sentence that uh, Tom strung together after I said suck it hind tits. That's it. That's 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 the phrase. That's And it's not a, by the way, that's not a uh, infraction of any kind. Glad to hear that. Just so you know. Much different than maybe a nickname you gave a certain defensive coach years ago, <laughs> live on the air. Uh, that was a good one. You were driving down the road, were you not? Yeah, I was going by your old Berkshire Manor, and I, mm, I called the, the hotline. The lovely Berkshire Manor. I called the uh, the hotline. I said, hey, man, did you just hear? What are you talking about? That was my Millar impression, limited Millar impression. Mm. <laughs> man, what are you talking about? Yeah. Even that wasn't really a problem. It was. Well, I mean... Yeah, it was actually great. Marcus Freeman is was made to look bad by his own university there. He brought in Andy Ludwig uh, last Friday. He is the Utah offensive coordinator. And Marcus Freeman, a first-time head coach there at Notre Dame under a lot of pressure, got it turned around in the second half of the season, which was nice. But he decided we've got to be better on offense because we're fairly impotent. And I like I like what that there Andy Ludwig has done at Utah. They're just steady lighting people up at Utah, and they're doing so with less. So I'm going to bring him in here to Notre Dame. And so there they were at a game, and up on the big video board, there was Freeman and Ludwig. And he puts his arm around Ludwig and smiles, which is to suggest we got our guy. We have got our guy. Ludwig, who flew in from Salt Lake City to South Bend on a private jet for his second interview, was a no-brainer. There it was. He's at the game. He's with the head coach. They're smiling for the Jumbotron. Everybody's, all right, we got him. 
Oops, they didn't get him. He's been kneecapped. Their head coach has been kneecapped in humiliating fashion. That's a toughie. So the problem turns out that uh, there was a big buyout for Mr. Ludwig. A lot. Buyout of nearly $3 million. Because he was due to make $1.3 million and $1.4 back-to-back years. They just signed him to a new deal with all these bonuses. And I guess Notre Dame, and perhaps Coach Freeman, didn't know that he had just signed this deal recently. And they, they, they went about the process of bringing him in. And then when they realized that they were going to have to uh, stroke a big check to get him away from Utah, the university told Freeman, we're not going to do it. Too much money. What? You're Notre Dame. It's in your back pocket. It's between the cushions of the couch. That ain't a good message. That is one that I would think rightfully as the head coach, you would have a real problem with. Not only did you get humiliated in front of the masses, but now publicly it's pretty tough to argue you're in control of much of anything within the football program. Holy moly. Why do I bring it up? You might say, why is he talking about Notre Dame? It's the antithesis of the situation at Florida State. When Mike Norvell wanted to bring in a high-profile secondary coach, defense backs coach, and one that many people wanted, it took mere seconds to make sure that deal got done with the university backing that one would hope you have after signing a new long-term contract yourself. Well, and then also look at the Braden Fisk situation. There's a kid coming from the Midwest, Western Michigan. Notre Dame was in on him heavily and they were thought to be the front runner, and we were in the running as a serious, serious contender. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if you believe the whispers out there, Notre Dame was not willing to go to a place, NIL-wise, to make it happen. If you're a Notre Dame fan, booster, supporter of any kind, The arrogance, are, the pride, I think, is getting in the way. I think you'd be appalled, by the way. I mean, can you imagine? For the paltry sum of $3 million of a buyout, you can't pony up? To get your offensive coordinator? It's called a second collection, guys. You do it all the time. What are we doing? How does that happen? I read that story and then had to reread it and thought, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, wait. Notre Dame just undermined their own head coach? Who's, yeah. who's been there for all of a year? Yeah, so wait a second. What you're going to tell me is the academic standards to get players in here is more difficult. And so I already have it on one end to have to be above and beyond, which is why Brian Kelly left for LSU. Because he can win a national championship there and not here. Correct. Although your stated goal is for us to be in the college football playoff, and I'm overcoming these odds, and the way to best do that is identify coordinators Mm -hmm. that have to do the same in places that are less desirable to play football and overcome those situations, like Mr. Ludwig here. We've got to do more with less of a talent pool because our standards are very, very high to get them into the university. Moreover, and might I add, uh, dear chancellor or university president or athletic director, we live in a dump of a town. (laughs) We've got to do better. For it is true, I have been both to South Bend and Salt Lake City, sir, and I can tell you from firsthand experience that is 100% accurate. Now, you deal with goofy, weird, twisted, messed up things in both cities. But if we're talking about sheer beauty yeah, and walk, desirability. Walk outside your front door and which place is better. Mm, that is correct. If we're just talking about the walk outside your front door test, 
The answer is Salt Lake City. And then some. I'm sure the campus is better, too. I'm sure it is. I've not toured Utah's campus. I can't tell you that's the case. Perhaps it is. It exists, so therefore it is. <laughs> uh, you're a little harsher on the campus than I am. The stadium, however, is fair game. And all the athletic fields. Well, that the town, the, the, parking the town is, is, is <laughs> oh, certainly fair game. But, I mean, so. you've walked by, you know, the fields when we were walking from yeah, the tailgate. Yeah, I did, yeah. And there's the baseball field over here. I know what Link's talking about. Oh, I've seen yeah. him like, that's it? Tough times. That's it? Tough times. My high school had a better setup. That said, the hockey arena that I got to go in was gorgeous. They play a, a smashing brand of hockey. What do you know? It's an indoor sport. Yeah. I'm sure their bowling alleys are wonderful, too. As they should be on all campuses. And I've not been over to the new Crenshaw yet. we got to do that. Let's go. Let's go, buddy. So, and a nondescript day. We'll take the day off. And we'll bowl and drink. You'll put a wink emoji, wink and smile emoji out there on social. That yeah. just means that's where we are that day. Come on out. Be looking for the wink thumbs up emoji. Or don't. But, yeah, that's what we're doing. We're bowling. Wow, that had to hurt, man. Can you imagine if you are Coach Freeman? You're like, well, my guys, why did you let me fly him in? I mean, we were at the game, you know, the whole thing. It looks like it was going to – and it's funny because Notre Dame attempted, when they contacted Utah, according to reports, attempted to negotiate that buyout down. They didn't like the number. They thought it was too high. They thought, nah, this, this is too much, but too much for a coordinator. We don't want to spend that much. Can we work something out? And Utah went, no. No, we can't. Notre Dame was aghast. What do you mean? You won't take less? I mean, he's going to leave. I mean, we'll give you $2 million, but not three. We don't, no, 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 he'll, he'll be here. Unless you want to pay the three-point whatever. I mean, no. And, of course, Utah didn't have to negotiate. That's what the clause is in the contract, right? You don't have to do it. It's, you're screwed. That had to have been a fun phone call to take. A groveling Notre Dame call? I mean, is there a better phone call that you can take? What would John Smith do? I just want to ask you. <laughs> this man wants to You know leave. how much fun I'd have with that phone call? Oh, well, it is great to hear from you guys. What's on your mind on this fine Wednesday afternoon? I've got time. Captive audience, I'm driving home. What is it that you'd like to speak with me about? Buyout? Oh, Sure. I'm sure by now you've surveyed the contract. That's the bio. Hour number two, forthcoming. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV.